No one ever saw this coming, but here we are, bonded forever by the same ex-husband. Once arch enemies and now partners in crime, we journey to the edge of sanity to uncover the dark truth about our ex-husband. My name is Athena. And I'm Amber. And we are the creators of X-Wives Undercover. This podcast is based on real-life events that are portrayed to the best of Athena and Amber's memory and also backed by court records and other factual evidence. While all the stories in the podcast are true, some names and identifying details have been changed to protect the privacy of the people involved. My name is Athena, and I want to welcome all of you to Season 1, Episode 1 of Ex-Wives Undercover. Now, before we dive in, my co-host Amber and I would like to give you a quick overview about what this podcast is all about. I, unfortunately, am ex-wife number one, and I met Ben as a single mother in my early 20s. Ben and I were together for about five and a half to six years, and we share our daughter, Sydney. And although he started out as my Prince Charming, he quickly became my worst nightmare. During our time together, Ben hid his criminal record from me. He staged multiple suicide attempts, put tracking devices on my vehicle, and he even stole my identity to impersonate me. In addition to all of that, I found the burner phone on top of my refrigerator and discovered that he was having an affair only weeks after we were married. I was on my way out the door, but before I could do that, I found out that Ben had been stealing money from his employer. And when he was caught, he told them that I had cancer and needed a life-saving surgery. That was the last straw and it was over. Little did I know that the drama would not be ending there. I'm Amber and I'm wife number two. I met Ben a year after he divorced Athena in 2013 and we were together for five years as well. We had a whirlwind romance and were engaged in just six weeks and I moved to Seattle thereafter. And that's when the crazy really started. You see, Ben told me he was drugged and raped, which resulted in his first child, Opal. And things immediately weren't adding up once I moved, and slowly but surely, I became a wannabe FBI agent. And although I was still dealing with Ben's crazy, I was happy when Amber came on the scene. The problem? She hated me. Being completely naive, I thought we would be the picture-perfect, blended family and seamlessly co-parent with Ben's ex-wife, Athena. But he quickly painted her out to be none other than Lucifer herself. What I didn't know was that this was his plan all along. Ben didn't want us communicating. Why? Because Athena knew too much. For the next five years of Amber and Ben's relationship, it was years of fighting. Nothing added up, and my name and reputation were being drugged through the mud. Would it ever end? Eventually, after years and years of trying to figure out the missing puzzle pieces, I finally cracked a major piece of the puzzle in December of 2019. My husband was having multiple affairs, living in multiple states, flying in women from other countries, lied about having cancer, and had even provided me with multiple fake legal documents and lie detector tests. It was then that I put my pride aside and reached out to Athena, my arch enemy. And then getting the phone call from Amber was the shock of my life, or so I thought. No sooner did we join forces and go undercover, did I really get the shock of my life. You see, Ben was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder, and for years, we had the wool pulled over all of our eyes. 
He had us fooled 100%. Never in a million years would we ever imagine what we would soon discover. With the help of multiple other victims of Ben's who risked their own sanity and safety, we set out to protect Athena's daughter, Sydney, whom her father had used as a pawn in his sick and twisted web of lies. And this is just the tip of the iceberg. This podcast has so many twists and turns along the way that you will absolutely be mind blown. We cried, we struggled, we fought for what was right, and we prevailed with the help of each other. Thank you so much for supporting us, and we hope you enjoyed the podcast. In 2013, I met the most amazing man. Smart, funny, a great father, and had good small-town values. Or so I thought. And five years later, everything imploded, and it went something like this. Fucking camera. No, I won't. You're acting like a crazy person. You're going to kill us. You're acting crazy. Well, I live with a psychopath. You're going to drive me to Portland. And then you're going to get the fuck out of my life for good. I never want to see your ass again. Ever. You're sick. Just stop. 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 Please. Just stop talking. God. And then not too long after that, this happened. Mr. Johnson, you're here today on three charges uh, under cause number 34463. Uh, the city's filed amended complaints for the charge of harassment, unlawful imprisonment, as well uh, as a second count of harassment. Mr. Jensen, do you leave any other formal reading? We do, Your Honor. We'd like to enter pleas of not guilty to all three charges, please. So given the multiple threats to multiple women, the suicidal threats, the potential input of knives, the blocking of the door, as well as the um, text messages. I do think that uh, no contact orders and bail is warranted to protect the community. Uh, any response, Mr. Jensen? Your Honor, I would just point out that I don't think he has any history at all with domestic violence order, uh, failure to comply with orders. I know that he does have criminal history. We acknowledge that. The one thing that I, I, I never threatened to kill anybody. I used to figure a speech one time against my ex-wife, and I say the same thing to my nine-year-old daughter. All Mr. Johnson, you've got to stop. You're incriminating. I mean, I'm really trying to be patient, but you're hurting yourself more than helping. I, I, I can't. Okay. I don't think you should do any more. This is you're discussing I, I absolutely just, everything the judge told you not to do. And so I hate to be rude, but this isn't helping the cause. To supplement the record a little bit as well, I would note that there are, have been anti-harassment and protection orders coming back from 1998, uh, restraining this particular defendant. I'm counting at least. Fourteen previous orders, and also now um, there are currently two active orders, both of which were put into place um, shortly after this incident. Hey, it's me, Amber, ex-wife number two. Did you catch that? If you listen closely you can hear the prosecuting attorney announce to the entire courtroom that my now ex-husband had a list of 16 restraining orders by various women going all the way back to 1998. You can imagine my mouth dropping to the floor when I heard that. Oh, and then there's that little part about him entrapping me in his home. 
and threatening to kill his first wife, Athena, and his mistress. Yeah, that happened. So let me explain how it all went down because this is a pivotal moment from which Ex-Wives Undercover was born. In a nutshell, I went all FBI agent, as many women do, and discovered a shit ton, and I'm talking a shit ton, of incriminating evidence against my husband, Ben, and officially filed for divorce in January 2019. I was living in Oregon, Ben was living in Washington, and I had just taken his daughter, Sydney, to Disneyland. Okay, Amber, so what kind of information did you learn back in December about Ben that led to the divorce? Oh my gosh. Well, I thought I actually uncovered a lot. So prior to this big event happening on Valentine's Day, I had discovered that he was having an affair with a woman named Avery that... He was not living full-time in Oregon, that he had secretly got a townhouse in Washington. So he had dual residencies. I found out that he did not have cancer, that he had previously told me he had. We were just kind of putting the pieces together. And so I was shitting myself. And there was more that came after this, but that was kind of the, the main gist of like fake business trips Um, it was just like, who the fuck have I been with for the last five years? It was insanity. (laughs) I don't know. I remember those initial findings between me and you, we were shitting ourselves, but then we didn't realize there was more to come and this big shit show that was to happen still. (laughs) So it was like the gift that just kept giving. It just never ended when you thought it was just it was already so crazy but when you thought like it couldn't get even more windy and topsy-turvy it did when you thought it couldn't get any more disgusting it did when you thought no more women would come forward they did i mean it was it was probably a that year was definitely a year of the most shock i probably ever experienced and felt in my entire existence Yes, I agree. I think me being the most recent wife, it was a lot fresher. Like you had time to process what a terrible person he was and you had seen different stuff than what I had seen. So up until that point, he was nothing but kind to me for the most part. Yes, we fought, but it wasn't, he never belittled me. He never hit me. He never, I just thought, oh, he's sleazy. He's lying about a few things, but I didn't know the extent of how scary he could be, even though you knew I, I was still like, what, what is this the same person? Like that doesn't even seem real. He just, he played it so well and he had fooled everybody, me, my family, just everybody that the stuff that was going to unfold, even from this December moment when I actually was like, okay, I'm done. I'm filing divorce. It just, it's just, I I have no words. I'm stumbling over myself right now. But one of the craziest parts is as we were uncovering back in December of 2018, before Valentine's Day, was that 
Sydney, which is your daughter that you share with Ben, our ex-husband, she was put in the middle of all of this. Can you explain a little bit more of what was happening? Oh my goodness. Well, when you had reached out to me and told me about uh, Ben's affair with Avery, you know, of course I had to sit Sydney down and talk with her. And while doing so every day, it was her slowly coming forward with a little bit more information. So a little bit more and a little bit more knowing that all of these different women were now involved and that he had brought Sydney around these different women, knowing that the stories of, you know, even just things as I almost said basic because when I relate to like what happened, some of these things that happened were on the basic end compared to the outrageous, insane um, other spectrum. But okay, so he had the different homes in the different states. Then he had Sydney meeting different women. Then he had Sydney memorizing storylines to tell you and to tell myself and my husband, you know, in order to, um, you know, help dad keep these other relationships going without getting caught. And so that was just the beginning of the reason why I decided that it was really important that she be taken away from him because how mentally damaging is that? I mean, this poor kid had been taught to lie from a very young age. She didn't know what was right or wrong. She even stopped speaking altogether. I honestly thought maybe she was autistic. I was taking her to doctors because she just stopped speaking, making eye contact. Her anxiety level was through the roof. I had no, no idea then or even for a while after all of that to the extent of how damaging this was to her and her mental health. So you, you got the emergency order um, to protect Sydney's mental health, to protect her until her father could get some therapy or diagnosed or something because, you know, we were all completely clueless as to what he was doing to this child. Until he can get some help, you know, he can speak with her and things like that, but he is not going to physically have her in his custody I cannot trust his actions. Okay, Amber, so right before you left Disneyland, I mean, we had just uncovered another woman who had some very serious allegations against your husband at the time, Ben. So I think our listeners will be curious about what exactly was going through your mind. And I mean, were you scared of what other things were going to surface? Oh my God, yeah. I remember right before I left for Disneyland, which is the week prior to February, I learned of a woman in another country that he flew in and everyone will get the details later on in the story. But there was this woman that flew in from another country. So I had just learned about her and I was shitting myself because he used fake names. Like, I mean, the craziest shit you've ever heard. So then as soon as I get back from Disneyland, it's snowing. I'm trying to get Sydney back up you know, north to Seattle to drop her off to you. And you're like, I'm so sorry, but I found another woman and she has this case number in King County in Washington. And I don't even know. I, I can honestly, like, I was numb to it. In shock was a probably good way to put it because this woman was describing a man that 
I had never personally experienced. He was physical with her. He was abusive in, in emotionally and physically, financially, sexually, like it was disgusting. And I, I felt, I don't even know how to put it into words, just repulsed that this person that I loved, that I spent five years with, that I was trying to have a child with, he was never that person. He does not exist. Like it's, you can't even wrap your head around that that person is not anything that you thought that he was. I was definitely the bearer of bad news, wasn't I? I Yeah, but I needed to know. I I did. I think we promised that to each other that, you know, we had literally hated each other for quite a while because then it turned us against each other. But when we finally did come together, we, we basically made a promise to each other that we were going to keep the lines of communication open this time and not make that mistake that we had made one year after you and Ben had gotten together, we were not going to make that mistake. And so we kept true to that and it was hard. And I, I felt for you. We, at that point, honestly did not know what he was capable of because I think us being the wives, we didn't see the physical or the verbally disgusting and abusive side that maybe some of the other women that he got involved with or cheated with experienced, or at least, I mean, I did later when I left him because believe me, when you're not with him, it changes. But at that point, I know you hadn't. It was snowing in Portland and I had arranged with Athena, Ben's first wife, to drive Sydney back on Valentine's Day. She had gotten gifts for her family, including Ben, but she wasn't allowed to see him in person because of the restraining order in place. I regrettably offered to drive the gift and drop it off at his house on my way home. What was supposed to be a quick drop-off turned into a never-ending nightmare that I couldn't wake up from. It was a long day, and Seattle traffic during rush hour was horrible, And I knew that I either needed to leave ASAP or wait until after the worst of it was over. I'm not going to lie. I was kind of dying to know what Ben's explanation would be for all the incredibly insane things that I was continually finding out about. Well, curiosity killed the cat, I guess, because I stayed. As our listeners will find out in much, much more detail later in the story, you and Ben were packing up the last of his things in his home here in Washington State, which is a home that you had just even recently discovered he even had. And then suddenly, in the midst of packing, Ben actually creates this outrageous and completely fabricated story. And so, needless to say, of course, you guys drop everything you're doing, and then you hightail it there. And there is a lot that goes down during that drive back to Oregon. And our listeners are going to absolutely be blown away. So with that being said, Amber, had you seen Ben in person since that event had happened? No. So, and actually, that first clip of this episode is from that very same day (gasps) and that same incident. I so, didn't realize that. Oh, yes. We were driving 100 miles an hour. And granted, I sounded like a bitch in this video. I will say I was all the way on fire because he had just staged a fake burglary at our house 
said he called the police. It was a shit show. And I was scared thinking, you know, our belongings are, you know, whatever. And that's when I realized it was all fake and it was just a diversion from what was going on. And I lost my shit. There was no emails. There was no phone conversations, nothing. So leading up to this February 14th event, I literally had filed for divorce and we were not able to serve him. I did not have any contact with him, nothing. So okay. there have been a couple weeks. For our listeners, just to do a quick little recap to take us to that moment, I was curious, as Amber was getting ready to drop off the souvenirs on February 14th, 2019, from Disneyland, these souvenirs, these gifts from his daughter, um, from Disneyland. She was going to drop them off. She was going to head back to to her home in Oregon after that. And so our listeners might be curious as to why you actually went inside Ben's home instead of just leaving the gifts in the garage like you had recently had planned to do. Right. Well, so I actually didn't think he was actually going to be home because I had sent him an email and I let him know that, hey, I'm, I'm going to drop these off. And he didn't respond. So I was assuming he was at work because it was in the middle of the day, you know. But when I got there, his truck was there. And I just knew. I just know him so well. The minute I open that garage, he's going to hear me. He's going to come down. We're going to have words anyway. So I might as well suck it up, go upstairs. And honestly, I was kind of trying to take your advice on playing nice with him because – to get what you want, you sort of have to play the game. And I was never very good at that. <laughs> so I remember kind of, you know, being neutral. I wasn't like, oh, you know, whatever. But I did, I was still trauma bonded with him a bit. So yeah, absolutely. I just, I didn't see him as this, you know, crazy psycho that I do now. I saw him as a mentally ill person because he had just been diagnosed and I had seen him unravel like I'd never seen before. So I had more compassion at that time. So, and I felt terrible. He had his child taken away and he really dug himself into a big old hole. I, you know, I went in thinking it's okay. Just be cordial. We, I actually almost want him to not talk about the divorce so that he wouldn't know that the papers were coming. Um, and I honestly, I was just curious too. I wanted to know what the fuck with all these stories because it's insanity and I want to hear from his own mouth what he has to say for himself. So it was a little bit of kind of both. So walk us through what did transpire in the first you know, few moments as you entered through the front door and then you headed up the stairs and you saw him. I mean, did you feel any inkling of feelings for him, which I know you mentioned the trauma bond, but like what was his demeanor? He just, he's a very good actor and I still wasn't savvy to it. So Mm -hmm. I thought that he looked devastated, broken. Um, I've, I've never seen him like that. You know, where was he? he? Was he standing there? He was laying on the couch and he looked like he was like on his stomach, like stomach down, like oh. face in his pillow, like he had been crying. Oh, he didn't even them. move. I know, right? Like he didn't I even s- move. I, got I always call the- him a D actor. Do you remember how we say he's a D actor? Yes, yes. For D movies? Yeah. And then the dumbass who believed him. I mean, I, I didn't believe oh. him. I was more like cautiously I still went on to believe curious. after all this. Do you remember? I know. Yeah, we both did. Yeah. 
Even though you know what the game is, you still fall for it sometimes. Because sometimes it's the most basic of the basic things that why would that just basic thing that came out of your mouth be the truth? But it's not. Yeah. And there's no rhyme or reason. He actually flips it on you too. So he did all these horrible things to me. And then when I get up there, it's actually my fault that he's so miserable because I'm filing divorce. How dare I? How dare I ruin his life? <laughs> he's basically telling me like, don't you feel bad for like doing this to me, Amber, like, you know, you know, Athena's history and how she's terrorized me. You know, this Amber, like he's totally like flipping it. And then I'm the bad person now and trying to make me feel like, oh, let me get back on your side and let me help you fight the war or fight the battle or whatever. And yeah, because like, you had, yeah, I had you in were the past. his strength. You were the organizer. You were the person that made sure that his crazy ex-wife did not walk all over him and that he held up to the things that he had promised. And without you, he was nothing. He was, he could never have got as far as he did battling me previously without you. For the most part, I was numb and in shock still. So I didn't have any feelings. I did not want to go back with him. (laughs) He wasn't going to talk me into that. It was just this, like, I will hear you out if you need to get some things off your chest because after I leave this townhouse, we're kaput. It's done forever. And, you know, so I kind of was just sitting there, matter of fact, sort of emotionless and just, it's okay. You're going to be fine. Put your big boy panties on and do this. You know, you have some work to do. And, you know, that was kind of where it was. I get it. I relate to it. I think it's our, our mind, our heart, our body's way of protecting us. You are definitely in that mode of just taking each day at a time. And I think our emotions turn off. I didn't quite know then that he was strategizing because he needed to have someone on his side to fight you in court with this parenting plan because you had gotten that restraining order, you had removed custody, and you were looking to kind of modify this parenting plan that you had with him. So he was strategizing. I need to have this person on my side. I need to have my ex-wife back on my side. So he was kind of trying to get in my good graces. It just wasn't working just to make sure everyone's on the same page. So it's February 14th. I am now at Ben's house. I'm on the couch. We're discussing things. What I don't know is that you have been talking to Avery, which is one of his most recent girlfriends. So there's been some conversation going on. Um, how did you leave things with her? What was the conversation like? Ben is so good. He's so manipulative that uh, I've seen it at that point. It was 12, 13, 14 years at that point that I'd seen how good he was to get over on me after everything had done to get over on multiple other women. And so I was very fearful that that would continue to happen with you and any of the other women that he was with. And Avery was, you know, the more prominent woman that I was aware of at that point. And by the time you'd gone there, you, Avery and myself, we'd all been on a text thread and talking and um, uh, once again, just making sure that we stood strong. We were backing each other up. Like Avery would say stuff like, oh gosh, he stopped by my house or he's leaving me these cards. And my instinct was to 
make sure that she was kept in real time. My idea was I need to make sure that I made you aware and I also made Avery aware of what was happening in real time because for whatever reason, Ben was confiding in me and I was playing the role because that's what was safest for myself and my child and for both of you was that we had constant information coming through that day when it just honestly happened to be, you know, February 14th on Valentine's day. I had just uh, checked in with Avery or Avery checked in with me somehow, some way in the middle of the text, I'd mentioned that, oh my gosh, poor Amber, she's going to Ben's home to drop off Sydney's, you know, souvenirs that she got for him. So little did I know what was going to transpire. Um, But I know that at some point, either it was either when you came and dropped Sydney off or through text, we had shown each other our phones and like, oh my gosh, you'd said, oh my gosh, look at this. And you'd show me a thread that he had sent either the night before or that day that was, you know, just, I love you, professing his love. I still want to be with you. I didn't do anything. She's crazy. She copy and pasted old text to make you jealous. It was like all this bullshit. And then as I'm speaking with Avery about, an hour later, maybe she is like, Oh God, like, look at this forwards me almost the exact same thing. And I'm just like that motherfucker copy and pasting as usual, like the same thing to both these women. And how could I not say something? I felt like I had to. And I was like, Avery, like he just sent that to Amber and she's on his way there right now. Like she actually is. She has to be there. She's on her way home. Avery was like, I'm going to send you these texts. It's almost exactly what he said to me because I'd read her what you had said or I'd forward her your messages because I wanted her to know the truth. And I was so annoyed with the fact that Ben kept convincing people that I was a liar. So I think I forwarded the screenshots directly from you so she could see them. So in her response, she responds to me with, oh shit, I think I just sent, I just sent them to Amber on accident instead of you. That is what she said. I found her old messages. Now, then she sends them to me. I don't know if she wanted you to have them. Um, She did not know you were at his house at that moment, but she did know that you were just there. And yes, she was pissed and annoyed because he yet again was bullshitting her and he was trying really fucking hard to bullshit her. And so I will never quite know um, the truth behind whether she to send those text messages to you or not but oh shit shit went down folks you jog my memory because i do remember that we did have some communication because when i took sydney to disneyland she had to have a monitor in order to talk to her father and that would be me I totally remember this now. So I had to give him my email address or unblock him essentially so that he could um, communicate via email for his daughter because he did have that right. And we didn't want to get in trouble with the courts or anything. Um, So it kind of opened the door essentially to emailing me. I love you. I miss you. All that kind of stuff. It kind of fell on deaf ears, but there was that. That's right. Because I did send you those messages like, what the fuck? He's sending me this bullshit. 
as I'm sitting there, we start talking about some of this new information. (laughs) A, being the woman from the other country, and B, this NFL cheerleader that he abused, and uh, it was shocking. So I was right in the middle of listening to him belittle her, berate her, talk down. I knew it was all bullshit. I wasn't buying it, but I was just sitting there. I wasn't yelling or screaming. We were actually cordial. I was just matter of fact, give me, give me your side. Tell me what you say happened. This is the proof that I've been shown. I've seen your text messages. I've seen all this stuff. So please tell me the correct story because (laughs) what you're saying is not jiving with what these other women are saying. So I was in the middle of this when I got those text messages from Avery. In that moment, I was like, I just didn't want that added stress. (laughs) I was like, I'm so wound up at this moment and I'm hearing horrible things about things he did with other women. And then I get this like, oops, I didn't mean to send you that. He, he, he. And it just, it really hit me wrong. I wasn't mad at her, but I was just like, God damn it. And I'm reading these messages going, wow, Ben, you fucking wrote the same thing to this girl as you did me the other day. Care to explain yourself? And that's when he lost his shit. Those text messages just set me off and I wanted Ben to know that the jig was up. And he'd been found out. Nobody was going to be left in the dark anymore. But that didn't go over very well, and his behavior escalated into something I've never seen in my life. Walk us through what happens next. So, oh my gosh. So we were at the, on the couches, and I start reading... And I'm kind of smart ass about it. Like, wow, I love you. I was like reading them and professing my love the way he was writing to her. And, and I was kind of being a smart ass, like, wow, you sure said that to me a couple of days ago. What do you think about that? And I didn't think he was going to take it to what he did. He was like, stop reading those. And I'm like, oh no, let's see what else you wrote to her. And so I kind of playfully was like, let's read some more. So I keep going and he gets up. And he goes into the kitchen and I hear him rustling in the silverware drawer. Um, And we keep knives, like steak knives and everything in there. And he was behind me. And all of a sudden he starts screaming, stop, stop it right now. And, and I remember looking over my shoulder at him in the kitchen and he's got, he's, he's saying he's going to slit his wrist. And then, then I started getting scared. Like, Oh, Oh my gosh. Like I've never seen him like this. I saw him kind of spiraling a bit right before I pulled the divorce card and was, you know, done with it. But this was a whole new level, taking a knife, you know, threatening to slit your wrist. And it was almost like there was darkness in his eyes, like they were glazed over and he was screaming and slobbering. And normally, like you had mentioned before, I'm kind of a spitfire. And I will yell right back at him and I'll put him in his place. But for whatever reason, I was mute. I did not say a word. I just sat there and I couldn't even move. I was frozen on the couch and my mouth was just kind of hanging open, like just staring at him like, what is he going to do next? Like, is he actually going to kill himself in front of me? I stopped. Obviously, he put the knife down. He walks back in towards the living room where I'm at and then he grabs his full McDonald's, like big gulp size pop. And he's a huge guy. He's like 230 pounds, six, four. And 
he throws it across the room. So there's like soda everywhere. And then he starts screaming and kicking the, the wall and is like, you know, the vein that sticks out of your neck um, when you get mad, like that thing. He had literally slobber coming out his mouth as he's screaming just bloody murder at me to stop and that you and Avery were out to get him and that you guys were conspiring to ruin our marriage and can't I see that why can't I understand that they're all out to get me and him and trying to destroy our marriage and I was dumbfounded I just was like as soon as I had a moment where he stopped I remember getting up going okay I think I'm gonna leave now I'm just matter of fact and he wouldn't let me go so he steps in front of me and then I really start panicking. You must've been terrified. I was, but it was like a weird, I actually feel like I got more terrified after like the next day. Like it it's all like an out of body experience. Yes. Don't you think? Yeah. yeah. I feel like I was in fight or flight and I was scared, but I think my body knew I was scared. My brain was just like, Oh my, Oh my God. Like it happened so, so fast. So I'm, frantically trying to get out of his living room. It's a townhouse. So it's three, three levels. So I have to go, I'm in the middle level and I have to get down these tiny flight of stairs to get out the front door. So this 230 pound man is blocking me. And so then that's when I start crying hysterically. I'm like hyperventilating, just please let me go. Please let me go. I just want to, I just want out. I just, I just need to go. And he finally kind of stepped aside and I just bolted, bolted down the stairs. He was at the bottom of the stairs by the time I got there. I don't know how that is. I have no idea to this day because the minute I grabbed that doorknob, he his big arm came up over my shoulder and slammed it shut. So I'm like, how did you get to the bottom of the stairs at the same exact time? I, I don't know. Unless he like skipped stairs and just, I don't even know. It just, it was a blur. Six, he's six feet four, folks. So I have a feeling like he skipped like five stairs yeah. at a time. I know that you had shared, you know, that he, he might not have physically balled up a fist and punched you in the face, but he definitely was physical, physical with you. And I know that he definitely had tackled you to the ground a few times or to the bed. So were there, can you explain those incidences? And then also what other type of abuse that you experienced with him leading up to this? Yeah, I mean, in the five years, it was more hitting things, punching walls, kicking things, overturning furniture. I remember a huge ottoman that he overturned in our house. Unfortunately, like when you're in this, it became the normal for me. And so I, it, it just, it was just our life together and it'd be high highs. And then those moments. Um, but he had never, yes, you are correct. He had tackled me a couple moments to a couple times, um, to rip my phone out of my hand. But for the most part, he didn't punch me or shake me or push me. And it wasn't until that night when I saw him, he used to threaten suicide all the time, right? Like if you leave me, I'm going to kill myself, but I had never seen him actually do it in front of my face. I always felt like it was a threat, but that night my eyes were open, like, Oh my God. Like he actually will kill himself. He potentially could kill me. And now this physical violence, 
I'm just hearing about it with another woman and now I'm entrapped in his house and maybe he is going to touch me. Maybe he is going to harm me physically. What happens next before you actually open the door and run out? So he, we start arguing uh, about the text messages still because he said, call Avery Amber. She'll tell you that that she created those, that those are fake text messages. And I'm like, are you kidding me? This is ridiculous. She didn't cut and paste anything. So we end up probably a 10, 15 minute, just back and forth. She's lying. They're out to get us. And I kept screaming back. No, they're not. This is what you wrote. Just fess up to what you did. All of this shit. You need help. And you can hear it even on that tape in us in the car. I'm like, you need help. You're sick. You're a sick person. And he, yeah, he just kept saying, just believe me, believe me. And I was like, no, I want to leave. I'm scared. You need to let me out of this house right now. Uh, and he finally, he stepped aside and I kind of paused for a second. Like, are you going to let me out this time? And he looked me right in the face and he pointed and he said, if you leave out that door, I'm going to go over to that bitch, Athena, you, your house and kill you. And then I'm going to go to Avery's house. I'm going to kill her. And then I'm going to kill myself. And with that, I just went hauling ass running to my car. I almost slipped on my ass out the door because it was snowing and icy. I remember like almost falling down to get to my car, spinning out, trying to get out. I was just horrified. But I remember looking over as I went out of his driveway and he was stooped at the bottom of the stairs crying or what appeared to be crying. That was kind of it. I, I remember before I took off, I texted you, but my mind was kind of jumbled at that moment. So I know you're going to ask me, why didn't I call the police, right? That's a good question. Right. That is, that is the question of all questions because I look back going, duh, what is wrong with you? What I had seen of his behavior in the last couple of weeks was just blowing up your phone with threats, just talking shit you know, whatnot. I kind of felt like, okay, I'm going to give you a heads up. I'm driving. I'm not gonna be able to text very much. I'm just getting the fuck out of here and getting home. And I just need to calm my mind, get my brain wrapped around what just transpired. So all I could do in that moment before I sped off was Athena, shit went down. It's scary. If he reaches out to you, you need to know that, that this happened. And so that's all I could do in that moment. I don't, I wish things were different. I would have taken it a little bit more serious, but I think it wasn't until I heard from you guys a little bit later, I'm driving down the road and all of a sudden I get a message going, did you hear from the cops? I'm like, what? No, I did not. What's going on? So everything happened so fast, but as I was driving home and trying to process everything that happened, I got a text from Avery asking me if I had spoken to the police. The night was about to get even crazier. I didn't check my phone and probably until like an hour. And this is probably a three hour drive to Portland. So when I did, I get a text message from you, like a missed call from you, a missed call from Sydney's phone and a missed call from Avery. And I'm like, what the fuck? What the fuck? That's so right. tell me what was transpiring while I was hauling ass back home. Oh my goodness. Okay. Yes. You're bringing so many memories back. Okay. I get a phone call from Avery and she is like, holy shit, what the fuck is happening? 
um, I'm getting now these phone calls from Ben and he's saying that he's going to kill himself and he can't lose anymore. And if I won't be with him, he's going to kill himself. And he was just going on and on about his daughter's been taken away. What kind of life is this? I'm, I'm going to like, I'm done with this fucking, I hate it. I want to kill her. So he's reiterating basically a lot of things that he had said to you, but now he's playing Avery getting, trying to get the sympathy from her. So I am like, what the fuck just happened? Because at that point, again, I had not been aware that you had stayed. I just thought maybe you were driving home. And as you are a very good driver, Amber, you actually don't really ever answer my calls in the car or texts. So I thought it was maybe one of those types of deals. But I was so worried hearing these things from Avery that I'm even like, Sydney, like, call your stepmother, like, call Amber. I'm scared. Like, I don't know what's happening. Will you please call her? And so she's like, okay. And of course I played it low key to not scare Sydney, but that's how I'm feeling on the inside and you're not responding. And I almost like, I pretty much just give up, I believe. And um, Avery says, I do not know what to do. He's cried wolf a lot, but he is scaring me this time. And I said, you know what? He's lost his child. He's lost his wife. And he's been outed. Like, we've all been in communication. You two women are now comparing texts. He knows that he's, like, been caught in a major way. And that scared me the most. And so I told her, you know, there was such a thing as, you know, the welfare check. And she said, okay, that's what I think I should do. Can we ever forgive ourselves if we don't? Like, he's probably probably going to be super, super pissed that we've called for a welfare check. But at the same time, you are threatening to kill us and kill yourself. So you're lucky we even care enough to get a welfare check for you, motherfucker. And so I tell Avery, like, I'm exhausted. I was. I, I've had, had so much. And with my child having her being taken away from her father, it had been very long days, very emotional. I remember crashing out. I know that Avery was going to call the police. I think I fell asleep at that point. They had asked Avery a bunch of questions and they wanted your phone number. So they call you. So explain what happens when they call you. Oh my gosh. So I called them once I got to Portland. It was late. I'm exhausted. I'm brain fried. I'm stressed. I don't know what's going on. I'm hearing that now he's legit now telling other people he's killing himself. So now I'm scared. So many things were going through my head. I was scared for your safety. I was scared for Avery's safety. Um, I was scared for his safety because I saw how mentally out there he's becoming and was only continuing to become. And I kept thinking, oh my gosh, this is my worst fear. I have been living with this fear for five years that I'm going to have to tell his mother that her only child killed himself. So I'm just like, how am I going to do this? I can't do this. Like if he does it this time, oh my God, I can't, I can't be that person that's going to break a mother's heart and break a child's heart. And I, I don't know. I had so much stuff going through my head. So when I called the police, I just kind of went through everything. I, that was when all of a sudden my brain started thinking a little bit more clearly and logically and, oh my God, he threatened to kill someone. So when I got to that part, 
I remember the officer saying, did he say he wished they were dead or that he was going to kill them? And without any doubt, he said he was going to kill them. So at that point, the police really didn't tell me anything. So I actually didn't know that they sent police officers to your house. They sent police officers to Avery's house and had this like crazy witch hunt trying to find him. I didn't even know that he was missing that they couldn't find him. So it was insanity. I didn't sleep a wink that night waiting for what was going to happen next. It was scary. So this is where we're going to leave things because this is the catalyst of ex-wives undercover. How it all came to be was this crazy fucking event on Valentine's day. And so what we want everyone to do now is Start from the very beginning of Athena's story. We're going to tell her entire story, tell my entire story, then us coming together, bringing you right back to this exact moment where you'll hear all the details, how it turned out, and then what transpired after that. Here's a glimpse of what you're in store for in season one of Ex-Wives Undercover. I see his picture and I'm like, hmm, he's handsome. He had hit every single item on my list that I had written out on the screen board and created in my bedroom. We were spending a lot of time in that amount of time in those three weeks, always at my home. And so mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, strange. yeah, like I need to come see where you live. It says a lot about a person. He didn't even have the office that he pretended to have his own office, but I had a feeling he didn't. That's why I obviously went there. Once I realized the stuff was gone, I just, I sat down. I remember sitting in the stairwell And she's just looking at me and I'm just like, what the fuck? I let you come into my house around my daughter? You piece of shit. Who is the stranger that I've been saying I love you to? I decided before to not leave him. This new man who's super in love with me, who's afraid to lose me, who clearly I know is a little insecure. Maybe it made me feel a little safer. I needed this this proof and back then i was ignorant enough to think that material proof would mean that he loved me and that he really is like sincere and regrets his mistakes this woman is just had a child and it's ben's child and woman to woman i feel like you have the right to know the truth it sent him over the edge when he found out about josh he just can't lose not in a million years what i've thought like he would have went out of his way to concoct this crazy plan to literally sneak onto his boat to get rid of him, to tase him and throw him in the water. It's, it's insane. It doesn't become as easy to trust your own instincts after a bit. You start thinking, wow, I felt like this and I was so sure of it, but then I did this. Like, what, what should I really believe? I don't, I don't know anymore. He gave me just this huge facade of a story and then I'm pregnant. I have a life in me now and now you're telling me to go kill it. And he just said, please listen, please listen. I need to tell you the truth. He was almost scared of what he was saying. To say it out loud meant it was true. And he just said, something's wrong with me. And I don't know what it is, but I feel this darkness within me, this blackness. Then you came home, you're on fire. You want a divorce. Then your friend reached out to me. Yep. Um, Then your friend, friend Biatch betrayed you too. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, Biatch is everywhere. Biatch is everywhere. So you gave him the boot, gave the friend the boot. Yeah. And I ended it having a mental breakdown. 
Ben messes you back because he is one of the men you swipe right on. I kept going back to the pictures and it was really hard because I don't like vanity pictures. Maybe you need to look beyond what's on your little list. Like you're really getting to know this person or so I thought anyways. So I just started really liking him. Opens his coat and he grabs a box and then that's when I was like, oh my God, are you, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Your child now has a new stepmom. Oh, I didn't even know he had a girlfriend. Exactly. I, I'm just red flags everywhere. And that last thing I want is about hearing the ex-wife wanting a baby with him. Are you kidding me? Like, Ew, gross. I just, no. oh my God, I'm done. Lady, just move on. You have a boyfriend. I was just like, I'm done. I'm just done. I don't like her. I was getting a feeling that something was up, but it confirmed yeah. it completely the way that you reacted. And then I just knew because I knew his past. I knew what a scheming, manipulative liar he was. How could you have done all of those things to me and then turned around and told this woman the most horrible things about me? He's so detail oriented. That's why I was like, this couldn't be a lie. He's gives me specific information. I had this internal conflict because your common sense says no. But then your mind's going, but there's a case number and a lawyer and a judge and details yeah. of everything on this paperwork. I, I got to find this. I got I to gotta figure this out. There was always a big something, boom, an explosion, uh, a scam, a scheme, a breakup, a huge lie uncovered. Do -do -do -do. Send CC'd Ben. I sent a message to a divorce lawyer and was like, I'm done. He's got a lot of shit going on. A lot. This is literally a volcanic eruption. Like yes. everything was coming to a head at this point. Oh my God. Everything is a lie. He said, he said, I don't care if we have to sell our home to pay for an attorney. She will not be with him anymore until he gets some help. And you were like, I have your back no matter what. Yeah. I'm going to write this out for you and I will follow it through with you. And I believed you 100%. Yeah. And I think that any woman would protect a child. Even if I hated you still, I would still do it for Sydney. I didn't want him anymore. I was right. like mentally checked out and I had been yeah. for a long time. But what really, which I didn't anticipate was the incredible amount of sadness I felt for Sydney. Yeah. And that me, oh. Oh, I'm gonna cry. Um, just devastated for her. Even though I was sad for you that you were feeling all the emotions that I'd gone through and I knew how horrific it was, I just felt like I finally wasn't alone in the Ben saga. We are the officially the A-team, 100%. Yes. I took him undercover. back for three weeks. Oh, yeah. And then he said my house was broken in two. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. That's when I was really done. Oh, my God. The tiger out, motherfucker. Oh, oh man. God. I lost this is my shit. Do it. I lost it's my shit. I keep saying I lost my shit, but oh, man, I really lost my shit. And once again, if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a five-star review and make sure to join our private Facebook group for even more juicy info. You can also find us on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. And of course, you can always visit our site at www.xwivesundercover.com.